0: Today's episode is brought to you by the folks over at SeatGeek, the best and easiest-to-use ticket platform out there. They take the confusion out of buying tickets using a 0-10 to scoring system and a green-is-good, red-is-bad color rating system so you and your loved ones get the best deal possible. So whether it's going to see our beloved Red Legs at Great American Ballpark, the Bengals over at Paycor, FC Cincinnati, one of the area college teams, or pretty much anything in between, use promo code RIVERFRONT at checkout and receive $20 off your first order. Click the link in the show notes to download the app and get started. That's Riverfront, one word for 20 bucks off.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Riverfront. This is episode number 504 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast, where we discuss the Cincinnati Reds and occasionally Kyle Farmer and uh, and Ron Valone. I'm your host, Chad Dotson, with me this week once again, my guy Nate. How are you, Nate?
0: Chad, I haven't had to complain about a David Bell lineup in days. I'm doing <laughs> pretty good. This is How true. about yourself? Um. I, good good
1: been a good week uh well not, it's not not been a good week in some ways. okay obviously the uh, the red legs came up a little short of where we had hoped but um good vibes only i think is is gonna gonna rule the day I believe um there's gonna be plenty of time over the off season to criticize and to talk about what should have been um and what uh, should be uh, coming for, going forward but um other than other than the reds falling short it's been a pretty good uh, pretty good week for me except that you and I were trying to find a time to get to do some uh Uh, so so to play a little, little sports, and uh, we didn't get a chance to do that. I wanted to play some sports ball with you.
0: You need to quit working so hard, yeah. Come hang out with your brother, family first, man. Yeah, really tell me about
1: it, tell my boss. So, anyway, um, this is the riverfront. Uh, where if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button, smash the subscribe button, wherever you find podcasts as well. If you listen in audio form, and most of you listening to us on audio form, which means that, um, you're getting this delivered right to your phones via, uh, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere, everywhere, everywhere you get podcasts, we're there. What it also means is you don't get to see Nathan's handsome face. It's true. You can only You're imagine which. Yeah, it's true.
0: It's I've true. heard that. Sound taller than I am.
1: <laughs> you know, you do sound tall. I uh, we I can't deny that. You sound very tall. Um. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the playoffs, Nate. And it says it turns out the Cincinnati Reds are not in the playoffs. Oh, now you have tell you
0: watched? Me. Have Let you explain. watched
1: any of the playoffs? I
0: know, right? Have you watched any of it so far? I've been tuning in here and there. Um, I, I spent all last off season and most of this season finally turning my wife into a Reds fan, so I get permission to watch Reds games throughout the season. But she's less enthused by other teams. So I've been I've been sneaking watching what I can, following along, all the highlights and stuff. And, man, wouldn't it be fun? Wouldn't it be fun?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think this every year, uh, and it's true every year, but this year it it stings a little more because you you get to October in these games, and um, you you just watch how much tension, even in these wild card games, how much tension – is there on every pitch, really? Every pitch matters. Um, and and every year I think, oh man, wouldn't it be fun to watch the res under the lights? And um, we would have had way more fans, uh, at Great American Ballpark, uh, probably including uh, either you and or I, um, more, more fans than uh, Tampa Bay had at their games. Um, but but this year I'm watching that and I'm thinking that. That that could have been that should have been the Reds that were so close and that's what's different this year. I always love watching October baseball because of that the tension and the drama and because of how much the uh, every single player really cares all the time or appears to care. And uh, uh, but the difference is this year the Reds literally could have been there. I mean, on August third, the Reds were in first place. So really, literally two months before the uh, for the playoffs start, the Reds were in first place. And so um so that it does sting a little bit, but uh it, I mean it's still gonna be fun, but it's not gonna be what it
0: could have been. Yeah. I, you I'm, can't I'm help bummed. but you can't help but watch the uh, for me it's the the Phillies highlights that get me the most because I see all the red and white. I'm like this this is so right. close to what it would be like. Did you see that clip from um shoot, what was the guy's name? Is it Rice and Stott that um mm-hmm. it's a it's that bomb yesterday and they had no commentary, it was just the crowd noise. Yeah. It was you know, like, Trick. Yeah, and we've we've been there. We've been there with great Americans, rocking like that. It's been it's been a minute, but the town deserves it. And I really, really hope that this time next year we're gearing up for a division round game because the Reds won the division and did not have to play in the wildcard round.
1: Exactly. Now you're talking my language. No, I think it's it's what's well, going to be interesting here for us at the at the riverfront, uh, the conversations this winter are going to be uh, different than they've been here in a decade. Uh, and and, and I, think, I think it's fair to say that if the Reds don't make the playoffs next year, I think that's going to be a disappointment to everyone, except for a certain subset of fans who just think everything the Reds do is perfect.
0: 2024
1: uh, was never their year. What's that?
0: 2024 was never their year.
1: That's what I heard. Yeah, right. Next year, the window opens next year. This is just a, this is playing with house money. No, we love, if you, if that's what you think, love you. Keep tuning in. Uh, you, be a fan however you want to be a fan. I don't care. Sure. Certain people com- comment uh, <laughs> publicly and say things like that that are really silly. I like to poke fun at, but that's okay. I'm mostly going to leave that to our buddy, Carlos Guevara. Um, He's good at it. But, uh, but, you know, and again, if you're not watching on, on on the YouTube, you can't see this lovely baseball card featuring the riverfront zone. Carlos Escobar,
0: handsome
1: man. <laughs> Let me show you this other uh, baseball card I got sitting right here, Nate. If you can see it, I don't know. There's a little bit of a glare. Can you see who that is? That
0: would be um, that would be a guy that pitched fantastically in the playoffs just yesterday. No,
1: the Reds didn't make the playoffs. How could he have pitched oh. so well
0: in the playoffs?
1: That's Sonny Gray, of course. That's you insane. know, I I watch I watch Sonny Gray make that start. And I'm so happy for the dude. I'm just so freaking happy for the dude. People don't realize how good Sonny Gray was for the Reds. Go look at his numbers. I mean, he's legitimately a Cincinnati Reds Hall of Famer in my mind. And um, I don't even know if he was even here for long enough to qualify for the Hall of Fame. He was that good while he was here. And so uh, I was happy for him, pitching for the uh, the not Reds up there in the, in the great
0: white north. Yeah, super happy for him. Here's a uh, fun fact. He is in the top 50 Cincinnati Reds pitchers and wins above replacement. Right, and he was barely ever here. Could not be happier. We got. would love to see him make a play for him in the off season. Um, I think, unlike most pitch pitchers that would balk at the idea of pitching at Great American, he certainly isn't one. He seems to appreciate well, right. a smaller market and has already succeeded here. So it was great to see it. But it's, it's the little things like that that make me go a little bit nuts, drive me just a little bit crazy, because we were so close. We just needed. We needed Sonny Gray. We have this team, the 2023 Cincinnati Reds. Have Sonny Gray, they make the playoffs. And it's probably not even like a tight race for the last week. But well, alas.
1: good vibes only. That gets back to what I was saying earlier about why it was so frustrating. And by the way, this is going to be. We had this uh, plan to be an all viewer mail episode. We got some good questions. We're going to get those very soon because this is what we like to do occasionally, and now seems like a good time. But um, let, let's set the stage here. Reds finished the season, lost two of three to, uh, to St. Louis. Reds finished 82-80, and 80, 10 games behind uh, first place Milwaukee, um, and uh, two games out of the final wild card spot, which is sad, again, considering they were in first place late in the season. Uh, but the, uh, the flip side of that coin is this. The Reds were uh, literally, literally still had a chance. On September 30th, the next last day of the season, and again, I, I, I we I feel like I say this every week, and maybe I should just quit beating this dead horse. But I don't. I'm tr- it's because I'm trying to talk myself into remembering this. This doesn't happen to us as Reds fans very often, and so I do want to appreciate the fact that they were there. Um, now, again, finished two games out of the wild card. There's no question that one legit pitcher, even at the trade deadline, makes the. Uh, it, it, Possibly, Probably makes the difference here. Can you imagine if we had someone, anyone, that was a, a league average pitcher? I'm not even talking Sonny Gray. A league average pitcher took all of Luke Weaver's starts. I mean, the Reds are easily a wildcard team. Maybe not first place in the division, but easily a wildcard team. And we would, you know, be sad today about how they got swept out of the playoffs. Yeah, probably. But, that's, <laughs> but still, they'd have been in the playoffs. So that's what—that's why I'm a little frustrated, but I'm trying to not—I'm trying to tamp that down a little bit. But you get it,
0: right? Yeah, I mean, you said it. Let's—we're we're beat that dead horse enough. We're going to keep beating. <laughs> we're going to kill it a few more times in the off season, I'm sure. And we have some questions about how we think that might look, but it's—it's. It's, I, I do appreciate that the club decided to sort of prep us for missing the playoffs. They were playing bad baseball for a. For a while, several weeks of bad baseball. So by the end of the season, it wasn't like, you know, we were just out there winning series and just missed by a hair. No, they, they lost almost every one of the last several series, and they didn't deserve to make the playoffs. So I appreciate that my disappointment wasn't as, you know, egregious as it could have been, but it still stinks. Yeah. But all that said, this was, man. I guess it goes back to you saying it doesn't happen very often. This was one of my favorite Reds teams to watch. Oh, yeah. Ever. Yeah, definitely. I'm not sure where it ranks all the time, but it's up there. Yeah. This is awesome for the guys. Love them. Glad we're going to have most of them back. Kind of stinks that it's the case that a team to miss the playoffs is one of my favorites. But, hey,
1: here we go. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of sad that an 82-win team is uh, – oh one of the most fun teams we've had, but the context matters here. This team that lost a hundred sure. last year and, and and the way they won 82 is a bunch of young, fun guys. So, um, so yeah, it's one of, I'm, I'm, I have a little a couple more years on, on you. I've seen a little bit more uh, Cincinnati Reds baseball and it's definitely one of my favorite teams too. So, uh, but you know what makes took a little, okay, let me, let me just make one quick point. You said that the Reds weren't playing well. You're right. They would have backed in to the uh, playoffs if they'd have gotten there. I mean, they basically came down to where they needed the uh, uh, three teams to basically almost lose out there at one point. Uh, but one of those teams was the Cubs, and the Cubs did completely blow it. And that softened yeah. the blow for me a little bit. And the Cubs <laughs> yeah. just screwed it up. And that was just, you know, I could almost handle the Reds not making it given the collapse we saw in Chicago. Ah, God bless It
0: America. was brutal. There was some some strong parallels between the way the, uh, those two teams finished out their seasons. The Reds got hot a few weeks. Before the Cubs did, so we had a slower decline. The Cubs got real hot right after the deadline, made their big push back into it, and then they fell off a cliff with two weeks to go. It was brutal. So the lesson, as always, don't be a Cubs fan, because that life sucks. Yes. So sad. So sad.
1: Nate, I, again, if you're not watching on YouTube, you can't see this, but there's a single tear rolling down my cheek. It's blue. For Chicago blue Cubs fans. Yeah. All right, Nate. Really, the only news we want to get into, and this is really not even news, but uh, some players elected free agency, uh, and uh, you know, only oh. only one name of note there to yeah. me.
0: How uh, dare you? I thought
1: I'd let you. I thought I'd let you riff on um, the uh, five free,
0: newly minted free agents. How dare you say this isn't news? <laughs> Alec Mills elected free agency. Okay, that's not news. Michael Marriott, he's gone. Also, not news. Kevin Hergert. Hardly knew yet. Matt Reynolds, okay. We we knew a little Matt Reynolds. We saw him a a bit, a lot more last year. Not going to miss Matt Reynolds, but type of guy you hope just catches fire somewhere else. Hope he has uh, several more years of productive Major League paychecks in his future. Good luck. Yes. But the one that had me weeping on my pillow, my poor, poor, dear, sweet Alejo Lopez, has elected free agency, and will no longer be in this organization. He was underappreciated, underutilized, undersized.
1: <laughs> underpaid.
0: Underpaid. The guy deserved to be freed, and now he is. He's going to catch on somewhere, bat about three thirty, slug him up, and have a long, productive Major League career. No, it's not a huge deal, but... I don't know why I decided I like that guy and could not be rooting any harder for
1: him. No, I know why you decided you like that guy. It makes all the sense in the world. I mean, uh, uh, an undersized guy, like you said, uh, couldn't hit with any power hardly, but, you know, he made, he he's gotten every last ounce out of his skill. He made it to the big leagues. I hope he makes it back to the big leagues.
0: Got check. Uh, easy
1: his, guy to root for.
0: In his last major league game, got tossed. <laughs> he, he got
1: a, all right, who are we talking about? Alejo. Oh, I thought you were talking about somebody else that got tossed in, their, in what might be their last oh, major league game. Wow. Um, Alejo Lopez. Yeah, you're right. So anyway, uh, Godspeed to all those guys. Good luck to them. We'll talk about that other guy probably here in a moment. Um, although, actually, I don't know. the we, <laughs> we didn't really get any specific questions about the other guy. Uh, but it's going to come up as part of one of the other questions. So I don't know. Now, you want to go ahead and dive into these questions? Let's make it happen. All right. These are viewer mail questions. Now, as a reminder, these are actual questions, actual letters written to us from actual viewers. Nate, actual letters from actual viewers. Here's my proof. Okay, one Look, of these you're was, watching on YouTube.
0: One of these was carved into a stone tablet. Well, yeah, that that one got sent to
1: your your not that sent to the uh, James Urban's
0: room. very old. He has to do it with what he came.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. No, these, these were sent to the uh, Riverfront World Headquarters out there in, uh, um, oh, let's see, where is it this week? Where are the World Headquarters? We have to, it's a mobile headquarters. We move it every week. It's in, uh, uh, where's Kyle Schwarber, uh, Schwarber from? Uh, I can't remember. Oh yeah, Middletown. <laughs> Middletown, everybody's favorite. So from the Riverfront's headquarters, World Headquarters in Middletown, Ohio, our first question comes from. Seth Shaner. Now, uh, obviously, these questions were written uh, by our friends at Patreon.com slash That's Patreon.com slash uh, where you too can get your question read here if it's sufficiently dumb. Oh, sorry, Seth Shaner. Yours is actually not that dumb. Well, we do have a question. Seth's question was about the guy I was talking about. Um, I forgot about this one. Here's a question. Judging Joey Votto by numbers alone only tells a portion of the story. Judging him by moments cements his legacy. The big 50, the men and moments that made Joey Votto. What are your top five Joey Votto moments as a red? Uh, I, and he, he did say top five Joey Votto moments as a red, because I had two from his Canadian high school career. So I'm, I'm going to to mark those off, because he specifically specified as a red. I have the usual in mind, but one that's forgotten is one I saw in person. In 2009, when it went on the uh, disabled list, following his father's death, His first game back was in his hometown, Toronto. I was there. He started the game four for four and Homer knocking in three had goosebumps," said Seth Shaner. Um, uh, Can we, uh, great question. Can we name as one of our five moments here, Nate, what may have been, I hope not, but may have been Joey Votto's final at bat as a Cincinnati Red. It came on Sunday against the Cardinals, the final game of the season, after David Bell had unceremoniously uncere- dumped Votto's rear end on the bench for the first two games of the series.
0: Somehow this is both a family podcast and the world's most dangerous podcast because I wanted to unleash a string of expletives that would get us banned from YouTube. Yeah.
1: The truth is, I, I don't live far from, from Nate, and uh, when uh, when David Bell's the, his lineup was announced, for that uh, Friday night game in St. Louis. I heard the loudest profanity I've ever heard. Burnt from the general direction trees. of Bates House. Yeah. It was rough. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, Joey Votto in his final game, though, uh, it, it, I'm putting this on my list because this is just Votto-esque. The, the, the biggest competitor you're ever going to see, right? Huge competitor. He, he gets He's thrown out, calling arguing balls and strikes in his uh, final, what could be his final at bat, first at bat of the game. And so so Votto is so competitive in a game that's literally meaningless. The Reds have been eliminated from players. So he is just going nuts on, on the umpire. Um, and he apologized later. You can't argue balls and strikes to get kicked out. I think the umpire should have given the circumstances, maybe given him a little bit more rope. That's another question. But Votto was arguing balls and strike, And guess what? The strike that it was called strike three, as we've seen how many times in Votto's career, he was absolutely correct. It was a ball. It was not a strike. So once again, Mister Umpire, Mister Votto will let you know when it's a when it's a strike. So that's going to be one of my moments, and that was his. Fi- I hope it's not his final moment, but uh, it was. I don't know. In some ways, not that he gets thrown out a lot, but it was in some ways vintage Joey Votto.
0: You got a moment. Yeah, I do want to take a second to. I got a few. I do want to take a second to acknowledge this moment, um, in two thousand nine when Joey took that little break. For you know mental health reasons, and following the death of his father, you didn't see that very often, like we are much more aware of mental health fourteen years later than we were back in two thousand and nine. Um, Joe has always seemed to be the kind of guy that prioritized what really matters over what as fans we often want to matter. I'm sure there were a lot of loud voices back in two thousand and nine saying what?" What's this guy doing? Get him in the lineup. Stand up. Be the MVP. But no, he did what was right for him, for his family, and something that I don't think anyone would argue with today. And he went out and had a monster, monster game. So Seth, that you were there, that's awesome. Super cool, and a memory that you'll have for the rest of your life. My next moment for Joey Votto is, is I think it's a perfect answer for what Seth's trying to get at here. He bought his teammate a donkey. <laughs> yes arguably the best read of all time i'm not saying yes but it's, you can make the argument arguably the best read of my lifetime once bought his teammate a donkey that's the most <laughs> absurd thing in the world and it said that that's joey Votto. that's the that's the guy we're gonna miss so much when his time is done
1: well and not just that okay first if you and for those of you that were uh out there in uh living in uh uh, Schwarberland in Middletown, and don't remember this. Um, the whole deal was Zach Kozar playing well. Joey Votto said, "Makes the All Star team." I'm going to buy him a donkey, and uh, but and, and and he did it. But even better than that is Joey Votto dressed up in a donkey costume. I mean, it's just <laughs> who does that? Uh, my my next moment for uh, for Joey Votto was May 13th of 2012, and uh, this this is to me and always will be. The quintessential Joey Votto moment, and that was a season where he ended up getting injured later in the year. But the Reds were really good. But um, it was on Mother's Day, and in the first inning, Votto hits an opposite field solo home run. In the fourth, he hits a home run, solo home run to center field, and the eighth inning, he doubles to uh, to right field, and uh, in the bottom, so three for three in the bottom of the ninth, bases loaded um he uh, ends the game with a <laughs> and this was a, first of all there was a 3 hour 36 minute rain delay in the middle and so um he ends the game with this drive to center field um for a walk-off grand slam and first player in big league history to have three home runs with one of them being a a walk-off grand slam and just again mother's day and um in fact, it was, this was in uh, in uh, Washington, just it, it I'll never forget when that ball left his bat. just it was nuts and so I wish I'd been in the park but watched it on television, but that's my that's my t- top Joey Votto moment. What else you have?
0: Yeah, that one has to be up there. I'm gonna go just a couple of years ago and go with that seven game home run streak. I think that one meant a lot meant a lot to me for a few reasons. one, you know I, as people that are regular listeners or viewers would know, I was overseas for a while. And this was shortly after I moved back. So I'm really just getting into the swing of things again. Joey Votto has always been that rock for me. But it hadn't been great for Joey for a couple years now. We were wondering if we had seen the last good Joey Votto. Well, at 37 years old, we had not seen the last. He hits bombs seven straight games and then comes inches Hitting another one against, I think it was the Mets. Was it the Mets that he barely yeah, missed anything off of. And it was immediate must see TV every night. You're tuning into every single Joey Votto at bat to see if he keeps that going. That was for, for somebody whose career I thought I was afraid might be done. This led to the never doubt Joey Votto. This is why we never doubt. Because he All proved right. that he could adjust and change as a player and make it happen. So that's next up for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's so many good moments uh, from earlier in his career as well, uh, but that's that's a more recent one that just uh, has to be on that list, obviously. And uh, and the one that I'm getting ready to give is, is a more recent one as well. Um, it was uh, uh, this June, a few months ago, June 19th, and it was Votto's debut this season. And uh, you know he had the, yeah. the shoulder surgery in the off season, and oh, wow. he, he finally, yeah, you know, we hoped he'd be back for spring train. He wasn't, he went down to triple A for rehab and he really, it didn't, it was you know, fits and starts, didn't go well. So he comes back his first at bat, just the ovation, the ovation that he got from the crowd. Uh, it, it nearly brought a tear to my eye. I know it did to, to as well. And it was just a, it was a special one. He is, as another one like in his uh, final home game, but he steps in the box and has to step back out, tip his cap t- or his helmet to the crowd. And uh, just a really emotional moment. Oh, yeah, he also did a home run and a go-ahead to RBI single uh, in the game as well <laughs> to show that Votto still bangs. And so it was just a, it was a special moment. It was, it was a in really a, special moment that I In that a I
0: season full of incredible highlights, that was the only time where I jumped off my couch, hands raised in the air, and lost. It.
1: That home that was, run? That,
0: yeah. Yeah. That deserves yeah. to be on the list. The only other one I want to throw out there, and there's are so many, we could, we could just, maybe we will, we certainly will eventually, hopefully it's not this offseason, we could have a whole episode just based on Joe Bottle moments. Um, One of my favorite Joe moments was when he was going back and forth with that fan who was trying to like bait him into something, and Joe was like, no. I, was like, I, I remember when you could still hit or something like that, and Joe was like, I remember when you used to be skinny. <laughs> I mean, come on, Joey. Savage. It was great. Uh, Joey's in the Mountie
1: suit. He's the best. Yeah, the, Ma- the Mountie suit. Uh, I, the only other one I have, and I think we've hit five or six of these now, so we can stick a pin in it. But the only other one I have um, that I still remember very, very vividly. Uh, and you were in the park this day. It was 2010. Votto had not yet been named the MVP. He was going to be named the MVP. And he, he comes up to the plate in the, uh, the, the only, as it were, home playoff game uh, that year against Philadelphia. And uh, you sort of alluded to that day uh, earlier in, your, in this show, but it was so electric. It was so wild there that day. And everybody had their, uh, their towels, the white towels that were waving, and it was just so loud. And Votto comes up and uh, his first at bat. It's just electric because this is at the time you know this is he's the young red star then we're talking thirteen years ago uh, he's he's a kid basically still and the MVP chants that rang out around the stadium <laughs> that day um, just it was uh, goosebumps Man. just goosebumps and so that that's always gonna be on my list and happy that
0: I could have been in the stadium for that one. So. Another reason why this season finishing the way it did was such a disappointment. We're not here to talk
1: about it. Yeah. Well, we are kind of here to talk about it, and we will some uh here in a little bit. But yeah, yeah if, totally. if his season, if his career is over or his red's career is over, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be sad. Next question comes from Jordan Salisbury. Hello, Dotson boys, says Jordan. First and foremost, thanks to both of you and everyone else at the riverfront for a great season. You guys always make it great, but this season was particularly fun, all true. Chad has just finished reading your uh, column and since magazine.com. I am not optimistic about the offseason. I believe Phil will either do one of two things. He's talking about Phil Castellini, uh, the owner's son. Yeah, Uh, He'll either do one of two things. Number one, point out how well the team did without matching league average payroll and roll with a similar payroll to to what they have because of finishing over 500. Or two, not spend money, but choose a more pessimistic route of explaining to the fans why the team won't spend because they only increased attendance by 46% and did not uh, meet their goals of added attendance to actually be able to add to payroll. Hash Brown, God help us, he says. <laughs> well, that's, uh, uh, number one, that is a seriously pessimistic tone that would offend me if it weren't for the fact that over the last 25 years, the Reds have given you every reason to be pessimistic about what their front office would do. Let I me mean, just briefly mention that, if you don't mind. Well, actually, any comments on uh, on Jordan's uh, question there? What, what What's your answer before I get off on a rant?
0: Just that I am, I'm optimistic about this off season, but I am terrified that option one that Jordan laid out is going to come to pass. The team did great. We have young guys. We're going to count on their progress. We don't need to spend money. Now we're going to get those guys back from injury. That worked out well with the trade deadline. So we're going to be fine. So I'm, I'm terrified. But go ahead.
1: Yeah, yeah. Green Lodolo is going to be healthy on opening day. Um no I'm not optimistic about the offseason. i'm just, I'm just not i uh, the, the the Reds have Reds management has screwed us at every turn and it's like fool me once, shame on you fool me 95 times shame on me quit falling for it um so I'm not optimistic now uh if if I had faith that the Reds would actually go for it, I would be very optimistic because the team's in a very good position. To, to add in some places and be a legit team next year. I mean, like a, you know, not not one of these that we've had so many years where you have to kind of squint your eyes and hope things go well. So, um, so, I, but so, I, I'm just gonna be frank. I'm not optimistic at all about what the Reds are gonna do. We'll get to opening day even if they've done nothing, and I'll still be like optimistic about what the players are gonna do because there's so many yeah. fun players. But so uh, he, he said, talking about my column and, and what my column was about. Uh, it was essentially a recap of the season, but also uh four big questions for the off season four big questions the reds are going to have to answer um before before uh spring training rolls around first of those was what we just talked about is Joey Votto have a future in Cincinnati and yes, he uh does. he does i think pick up the option you cowards pick up his option Joey Votto has a a 20 million dollar contract option the reds would have to pay him 7 million to go away Imagine paying Joey Votto $7 million not to play for you. disgraceful graceful. Um, but that's that's the first. They're going to make that decision soon. I think the uh, decision will have to be made shortly after the World Series ends. The Reds part of the decision anyway, which, which is whether they're going to pick up that uh, that option. The next is what do we do with Jonathan India? You know, what what are the, uh, and, and I don't know what the Reds are going to do. I don't see. I always feel bad about this because I really do like Jonathan India. I love his energy, his enthusiasm. Oh, uh, that's right true. Yeah, I mean, I I have no issues with he's a perfectly crime up player. There's nowhere for him to play next year. I mean, unless he's going to play in the outfield or DH, and I don't see him hitting well up to there. There's nowhere for him to play.
0: Well, that's the problem is we've got this, you know, glut of infield talent, and he is the worst offensively and defensively. And it's right. really not very close. And this is no shade on Jonathan India. It's just complimentary of those other guys. So, unless he is willing to be a super utility DH corner outfield all over the infield fill in guy, which David Bell's happy to throw out there, we know he will mix around with lineups and matchups and all that. It's tough to squint and see a place for Jonathan India. But the bad part of this conversation is you're selling as low as you could possibly sell if you're trying to get rid of Jonathan India. So it may not bringing, be as low bring, as. What's he bringing back?
1: Yeah, it may not be as low as possible, but it's close to the bottom. What are you getting for a guy that can't crack the starting lineup of a team that didn't make the playoffs? <laughs> well, there's some teams that may need a second baseman or a third baseman, even if you want to move him back to third base. Some team may be uh, really need one and think, well, he's a league average hitter. Um, he's a, an improvement on what we have. I don't know who that team is, but the, the, presumably it could be out there. And what do you get? I don't know what you get for him. Uh, we'll we'll discuss that probably this offseason. Uh, I would say this, though, what you're going to hear from a certain uh, caliber of fan out there in Middletown is, uh, okay, well, you say Jonathan India doesn't have a spot because of the kids. What about Joey Votto? You got on Strand uh, at first base next year. You know, Spencer Steer can even play first base. Um, you know, what about Votto? You can't put him out there. There's a kid in his way. To which I say, first of all, how dare you compare Jonathan India to Joey Votto? <laughs> in any way. I'm sorry. Uh, the other is this. Uh, if Votto comes back, he, he may not be okay with this, but I'm okay with him. And I think we know, we saw how David Bell used him. He's going to be more of a platoon guy. He's going to DH. Uh, he's going to play some first base. I think I think there's a spot for him, though, as a DH first baseman that plays, you know, 60% of the time. And I think he can provide value to this team. I mean, you know, Votto against just right-handed Pitchers, I, I know he would never want anyone to say this, but Votto, forty year old Votto against just right handed pitchers, is it going to be a productive player? So uh, that's the difference. Jonathan India, I don't see. I just don't. I mean, I guess if he's your, you know, backup at second base and third base, I guess you can. I mean, yeah, he's he'd be pretty good backup infielder. I'd take him.
0: Well, you get an injury to McLean, Ellie, or Novi Marte, and suddenly you're running Jonathan India out there. Five, six right. days a yeah. week? That sounds pretty good.
1: But him not but it, starting
0: would be an issue, probably. If you're worried about, about what Joey offers this club, look no further than Will Benson. The guy single-handedly gave Joey Votto credit for making yeah. him an everyday major league player. That's right. Every teammate that got interviewed talks about how he was the life of the clubhouse. He was the guy. So, get out of here with these anti Joy takes, and you can have them. I just, just think you're the worst.
1: Uh, third question is this uh, that I asked in that column Will the Reds get the pitching? You remember back in 2019 when Bob Castellini said they're going to get the pitching? And that's when they went out and got uh, Sonny Gray among some others. Um, the Reds pitching staff, uh, uh, first of all, rookie pitchers made 61 starts, including 19 of in the final 27. Now, certain caliber of fan out there in Middletown is going to say, well, those rookie pitchers will be better. Why do we need to get pitching? Those pitchers will get better. They're rookies. And, yeah, uh, most of them will get better. I would expect uh, you know, Hunter Green, I would expect him to be better if he's healthy. Uh, Nick Lodolo, if he's healthy, I expect him to be better. Brandon Williamson, sure. Connor Phillips, sure. Uh, but, you know, first of all, the uh, starting pitchers had a 5.43 ERA. That was 28th worst in the entire majors. Okay, um, I love Green, Lodolo, Ashcraft, right? I love uh, Andrew Abbott. Love him. Williamson and Phillips. They got potential. But now, if you believe that you can go into the uh, season with just who the Reds have, you are completely and utterly delusional. They, they cannot. They have—they need to get two starting pitchers. Now, I'm not saying they need to get two aces. Oh, that would be great. Um, but I, they need to. I, I don't know if it's free agency. If it's in trade, it's time. It, we couldn't trade from this surplus of players, according to Nick Craw at the trade deadline to help this team get in the playoffs. I don't know how you get through this offseason if they don't trade some of the the prospect surplus for at least one pitcher. Um. Well, I'm not going to say what I'm going to do because I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to like smile and laugh and be like, "Of course, is what this team does." But I don't see how you don't do it. You have to, it's everyone on the planet knows the Reds need to get a pitcher. Now, of course, that means every other team, their general managers know the Reds are desperate for pitching and maybe they're going to hold out for a higher price. Okay, pay it. Pay it. Um, the Reds what, the, uh, definitely need one. And, and I think I need at least two starting pitchers and then need to also look at the bullpen. Uh, uh, but that to me is the number one priority
0: of the, the winner. Yeah. Uh, what What does surplus mean? <laughs> I mean, you have more I mean, than you need. That's
1: what, right. Too, you, have, you have too much.
0: You got extra. Get, get, get rid of some of that to get some of that other stuff that you don't have enough of. Of the uh, top six pitchers that um, we are all so excited about, I'm excited about it too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not here to say I'm not excited about any one of these guys. I love them all. And I think they have a chance to be great major league pitchers. Three of them spent significant time on the Andrews list this year. Including Nicoladola, who missed almost the entire season, and the other three were in Triple A to start the season. And
1: actually, actually, two of them were in Double A to start the season. Yeah,
0: they're in the minor leagues. <laughs> Abbott and
1: Phillips were in Double A. Yeah,
0: um, I think I think both those guys have a ton of potential. I think Abbott showed it already. I think Phillips had serious flashes, but also flashes of those control issues that are so daunting. So if, if you don't think. We love talking about the 2010 team. If you remember, that team had historic starting pitcher health. I think they had one start all season that wasn't by a pitcher that was in the opening day rotation. And that was because they had a doubleheader one day. Yeah. You can't count. It's historic for a reason because it doesn't happen very often. So they have to get that depth. These people are going to get hurt. You're gonna need spot starts. These guys have options. They have things they need to work on. And that's why AAA exists. Get the pitching.
1: Yeah. If they don't, they're not serious. I mean that's I, it. I would say. How many,
0: how many fans, even the most rosy optimistic ones, the ones that we often seem to be um you know combating from a narrative standpoint? They all I've heard it so many times. If they don't go out and do something this offseason, then then I'm done. I'm fed up. Even the most optimistic of Reds fans are kind of towing that line, so we'll see, man. Like, if I don't, I, I wonder what will happen if they don't.
1: I don't know, Carlos. Everybody, Carlos found one that said, "Oh, we got these six pitchers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's all the Reds
1: need." Like, Here we go. That's uh, this is laying the groundwork for defending Nick Crawl, Um <laughs> if he does nothing. And that was my fourth question in the in the column was just, uh, "Can Nick Craw finish the job?" And congratulations to Carl, who was recently promoted to president of baseball operations. Done a good job, as we've noted many times, identifying talent, trading for talent by, and he gave up similarly talented assets as well, but um, wonderful to him. The player development team, kudos. Done a great job preparing these kids for the big leagues. Uh, But the next step is building an actual winner, filling in the the gaps. And, you know, I've it's frustrating to see so many people that just think Nick Carl's a genius because the answer is a mixed bag. I just told you some things Nick Carl's done well. I just praised him. Okay. So I'm not a Nick Carl hater. Um, you know, I, I think Nick Carl's done some good things, but, but it's a mixed bag too. Go look at his free agent acquisitions. Pretty much all of them have been a disappointment, right? Um, the fact that he didn't make any deals to improve the depth of the pitching when everyone knew they needed it. I mean, Luis Sessa, was one of the starting pitchers in the opening day rotation. The fact that he didn't make any deals before the season or at the trade deadline, whether he was unable to do that or unwilling to do that, you know, unable because he couldn't, no one wanted to, you know, make an offer that he could live with um, or he was just unwilling to, which I think is probably more of the case, um, despite knowing that the Reds, everybody on earth knew the Reds needed to improve in that area um if uh that, that's a disappointment i guess and so um it's a mixed bag with him and so i think we're going to learn a lot about who he is and what he can do you
0: know when you, uh, you the re- the, go ahead you, you just touched on something that i uh, i think about sometimes and that's the unwillingness because the number one job from a self-preservation standpoint if you're a general manager in a professional sport all you're trying to do is not get fired. Like you taking over a new team, all right, am I going to rebuild now because then I have a built-in excuse for several years? Or are you going to try and make some crazy move for a superstar and try to win the World Series and get that job security that way? Nick Kral knows as long as he is a yes man and doesn't do anything too crazy, he keeps his job. The Reds are expected to be bad. He's not going to get fired because they're not playing well. So I wonder if that creeps in when things like the trade deadline, things like the off season, which I'm more upset about the last offseason than I named the trade deadline. I'm sure that the uh, the asking price for some of these guys were high and revisionist history is fine. The guys, most of them didn't perform that well, the once, ones that got traded. Last offseason, people always say, oh, well, he thought the team was going to be a dumpster fire. The team wasn't going to be any good. Why would he go out and get pitchers for a bad team? Okay, so you're telling me he's a terrible talent evaluator? <laughs> right it's he just, he just all these guys that he's spent all this time and capital acquiring we're going to be bad we did but we're not manager of, of a ball club so i would love to see him risk his professional reputation to go out and fill in the holes in this ball club and put together a division winner or at least a team that on paper should in theory compete for the division title. so we'll find out I'm not, real soon
1: yeah no i think that's a really interesting point nate um I think you mentioned the word risk. I think that the only risk at the trade deadline was if he had traded someone. There was literally no risk in taking the tack he did, which is acquiring one, uh, a relief pitcher who was, again, perfectly cromulent. But um, he was good. Uh, Yeah, yeah, no. We're we're a pro Sam Ball podcast. Right. No objection. Glad they got him. Um, But the risk for him would have been doing something. And And let me explain what I mean by that. Um, He did nothing. And I say that was a no-risk move. And look what happened. They fell off the side of a cliff, missed the playoffs, dropped from first place to 10 games out, um, missed the playoffs. And who's criticizing him? I mean, we are. Um, I, I criticized him in print. Who else in the, in the local print media or talk radio or anywhere criticized him for what he did at the deadline? No one. And now Cincinnati's a safe town in that, in that respect, which is why you should read Cincinnati magazine. But, um, so, so he, he knows this, he knows that the local media, which is lar- are largely house, uh, you know, house organs, house uh, transcriptionists, say whatever the Reds wanted to say, uh, they're not going to blast him for that. But now if he goes out and trades a prospect and that prospect ends up being really good and the guy you traded for is really bad, then he doesn't get all the credit that he was basking in from the Reds being good this year, largely because of the trades he made, which again, he deserves credit for, but he knew he he had, if he didn't know he's an idiot, he had to have known that, look, I'm playing with house money, just like those fans out in Middletown said, I'm playing with house money here. Uh, I can only, I can only screw this up because I'm not going to get criticized if they fall off a cliff. And he didn't, he didn't get criticized. Now, Speaking of risk, though, that calculus changes this offseason. And the reason why is the Reds have all kinds of financial flexibility. they got this talented young court already at the big league level. Um, They have all the money in the world. I don't, I don't hear money being an issue this year. They have one player big, under contract. One player is. under contract. So he has financial flexibility. He has only one player under contract, so he, has, uh, he can move things. He has a surplus the minority level. This one's on Nick Crawl. Um, he's going to make or
0: break his reputation in the next six months. Musty TV. Can't wait to find out. I said this on Twitter. I'm going to say it again. The, uh, I wish they would have kept that Joe Boyle guy that they got for Sam Moll. I love Sam Moll, but if that was the only move they were going to make, why not keep the prospect? We were excited about that move because we thought it was the first, in, you know, the first domino to fall. But they did nothing, and then suddenly Joe Boyle was starting – Late season games for another team and pitching well. I'm like, man, Simo, I love you, bro.
1: What yeah, six no hit innings it, or something for Oakland.
0: Uh, yeah, but but say, but that's a, that's what I'm talking about.
1: Um, I don't care if you trade a prospect and that prospect goes on to be good somewhere. If you get somebody that helps this year's team, it would have been worth it to me for even for a rental because you only get so many chances to be in the playoffs. How many have we had in the last 25 years? And so that's why I'm okay with trading a guy who might be something elsewhere, trade Evan Arroyo, whatever. Love the guy, but trade him. So, uh, but this, this off season, there are no excuses for Nick crawl. If if he limps into the, uh, uh, spring training, having done nothing, it'll tell me everything I need to know about Nick crawl. Either he's incompetent or just his only goal is to minimize payroll at the d- direction of the ownership. Or and either way, you never trust job. him. Right. Right. If, if his, if his orders are to minimize payroll, because that's what ownership says to do, then yeah, he's just he's he's uh he's doing what he's told and you should never trust him to do right again because he has higher ideals, keeping his job, keeping the owner happy, which is fine, I get it. Keep your boss happy. Right. I'm right. gonna put it, it out that, there
0: that? to the world right now. Nick Raw, make the moves that we all want you to make this off season, and I will personally buy all of the ill fitting sweaters that you require in your wardrobe. I'll do that for you because I love this team so much. Everybody's
1: welcome. He's known to wear an ill-fitting sweater, isn't he? (laughs) I love it. All All right, so let's move on here. we got a few more questions, some good ones. Kyle Kapler asks, I don't have much and didn't have much to say or feel as the season ended, besides the consistent feeling and sentiments of disappointment I feel after every season. Anyway, I know this will be discussed throughout the offseason and probably already has been discussed, but what letter grade would you give this season and why? Kyle says, I give it a B-plus and nothing higher.
0: I know, uh, I know Kyle's it. as upset as we are about the lack of moves at the deadline, so I appreciate the B-plus, which is probably a good answer. If we're looking at the season in a vacuum and – Eliminating all the other sort of nuanced narratives and conversation. You could give it an A plus. I mean, this team lost a hundred games last year. And we had one of the most fun red teams of our lifetime compete for the playoffs till late in the season. But life's not that simple. I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it an A minus just because I had so much fun. I mean, I love these guys. I was tuning in every single day until September like 29th or something. So you could convince me that it deserves a C or below because of the way it panned out, but I'm going to choose to focus on all of the, uh, the, the good times, the good memories that I'm going to have from this squad. So a minus for me.
1: Uh, I'm going with a B, um, uh, for, for similar reasons you said, I guess, um, and I think maybe five years from now or ten years from now, I'm going to look back on it and probably give it an A. Yeah, uh, because you know, in retrospect, we'll remember more of the good things, especially sure. the parts of the season that are going to end up in the second edition of the Big Fifty coming out next year. There is going to be some discussion of the 2023 Reds. Spoiler. Um, yeah, right. So, um, but I I have to give it a B if the Reds had finished 82 and 80. And they had started like they started, which was what five and seventeen. They started bad, yeah, It's hard to remember now. And they just sort of slowly built up over the season. And they had a great like August and September to jump above five hundred and even get themselves into the playoff race in the last couple of weeks, into the wild card race. If it had been that kind of a, a crescendo towards the end, I, it would have been uh, so exciting. It would have been such a if that twelve game winning streak had come in mid August, you know, and the Reds had the. Uh, had narrowly missed out it's an a a plus but the way that it happened and the way that the management let the team down to trade they were in first place on august 3rd and they finished 10 games out and so that's enough of a disappointment despite all the reasons to be happy of which there are legion i can't i can't get more than a b can't argue with it Corey Ryan asks, with the Reds narrowly missing the playoffs, I believe we have a case where one player could have truly changed our fortunes. If I gave you the power to restart the 2023 season and add any one historical Red to our roster, who would you choose? And how would the team fare in the playoffs with that added player? I'm going to go with um, Mm. Mario Soto. I'm going to go with Mario Soto. Because the answer to this question really is any pitcher that was league average or above when they played. That's the answer. Any pitcher that was league average or above, and this team makes the playoffs. And so probably my favorite pitcher of all time is Mario Soto. And so that's what I'm going to go with, Mario Soto.
0: I like it. I thought you were going to kick it old school and go with like a Noodles Han or a Bucky Walters type. <laughs> I thought about but, it. I thought about uh, Bucky. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to go with Jose Rio. He's the, uh, I guess, probably best pitcher of my Lifetime. And the team would have made the playoffs with Jose Rio.
1: Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Now how are they have done in the playoffs? Who knows? Once you get in, anything can happen.
0: They would have won game one, Jose Rio starting. And then he's pretty, he's pretty old now though, so <laughs> he might not <laughs> have true. it
1: anymore. He still could have been better than Luke Weaver. <laughs> James Durbin. Happy offseason, friends. Yes. Yeah. Or he says, since the baseball season is over for our beloved red legs, I'm curious. What do you guys think is more surprising? The Reds having an above 500 season and narrowly missing the playoffs, or the Bengals starting one and three after all the hype heading into this year? More surprising? Uh to it's me strange, it's right easy. Yeah. It's easy.
0: The Bengals started one and three last year. Like this this there's precedent here. They're, they're slow starters. This red season yeah. came out. Freaking nowhere, yeah. And Don't get me wrong; the vibes are. You worse can predict.
1: Yeah, true, true. You could have predicted Burrow getting hurt. It happens, and so yeah, okay, yeah, it's not going to surprise me yeah, if, if somebody told me the Burrow gets hurt, and so he's limped to a one and three start. Literally, uh, so yeah, easy one. Now uh, we're going to give him because because uh, because we like him. James has a bonus question. Uh, he says, "Because I'm an old man and I like living dangerously." Is suits. The greatest show on Netflix, Suits. Nate, have you watched Suits?
0: I have seen Suits. I saw it when it came out originally, back when you know James was celebrating his seventy third birthday many years ago. Um, it stars uh, some people whose names I can't remember, and that weird lady who's might be a princess or something, and is just running around America with Prince Harry. <laughs> um, no, I mean I I don't know the entire Netflix library but I would be shocked if Suits was the best amongst it. It's a perfectly decent show. That's all I got. It's, it's fine. I, I, we'll I love this question. Later, James.
1: <laughs> I love this question because uh, we, we, we poke fun at, at James who is, he's a kid, but we poke fun at him for being old for a reason that I can barely remember at this point, but it's become a running gag for some reason. Um, but why this is funny is I, first of all, I've never seen Suits. I'm not going to watch Suits. So I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but, Someone else told me they thought it was the best show they've seen in a long time. And it, like yeah.
0: it's old, like it's it's, it's not well, old, It's like over ten years old. It somehow got famous again because of the writer's strike, and Netflix was just pumping out old stuff. And I guess Meghan Markle seemed like a good idea. I mean, it's pretty good. It's fine. What are we doing here?
1: Let me let, let me tell you who the other person besides James Urban. The other person who uh, told me that was a great show, 69 year old woman at the office. <laughs> a 69 year old woman, James, has the same opinion about that show as you. So you're in good company. She actually is. She is good company. She's great, great people. But that's the only yeah. other person I've ever heard mentioned suits to me. So. So the yeah, old's like the
0: suits. Actual law. So you might you know, have some grievances with it that us non-lawyers were entertained by. They're great writers. Great, great banter back and forth. But man, Netflix must be in tough shape if that's the best they've got.
1: <laughs> all right. Uh, just a, three more here, all pretty quick. Joey Gaditza, no questions. Just thanks for what you fellas do for us, for all of us. Off season baseball is so, so long. You're right, Joey. But this off season is, as I said, must see TV earlier. This off season is going to be the most fascinating Reds off season. Honestly. Maybe in my lifetime, certainly since 2000, when the Reds acquired Griffey. This is, there's real drama. This offseason. the next six months could be interesting. Next question comes from Brandon Kamek. Brandon asks these, uh, this series of questions. What are horseshoes? What do horseshoes do? Are there any horse socks?
0: (laughs) Is anyone listening to me? You know I appreciate the Billy Madison reference. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Here's another one for you, Brandon. You know something? You suck. (laughs) Maybe my favorite comedy of all time. Uh,
1: The real answer to, to that series of questions from Brandon, and yes, kudos, Brandon. We always appreciate Billy Madison quotes. The real answer is this. If... Actually, I'm not going to say that. What else is that? That Because uh, I don't want to hear the clip of me going around. Uh, somebody pull that clip off and say it. What, what other quote from that same character in Billy Madison? Can you think of another quote, Nate, that's uh, funny?
0: If Pete in your pants is cool, consider me Miles Davis. <laughs> ah, it's too good.
1: Oh, too good, too good. That is the grossest thing I've ever heard. Let's go.
0: I had an older brother that you may be aware of who introduced me to that movie when I was far too young to get a at least half the jokes. As I continued watching Whoa. as I got older, it was like once a year, the joke would land for me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's inappropriate. So,
1: now I've watched it a hundred times, uh, but, and, and even here recently, but I find myself all the time for some reason, those movies you watch when you're a kid, you know, um, you, the quotes, I still use quotes, still use quotes. Uh, from that but Nate just to, to bring it back around do you remember who the pitcher was that the Reds traded for uh Sam Mole the prospect Joe Boyle Joe Boyle rules Joe Boyle rules oh <laughs> we could have used that joke so many times
0: oh if the Reds had just not gosh. traded him I'm disappointed in us I know, me too
1: all right one more uh one more question and then we're out of here this one comes from our good friend Gary Hilliard Gary's question is this and this is a good question um over a 162 game stretch from June 18, 1986, to July 10, 1987, Eric Davis hit 307, 405, 629, with 49 home runs and 93 stolen bases. Uh, he got those stats, I'm sure, from the 50, the minimums made Cincinnati risk. this question from Gary here: Will Ellie De La Cruz ever have a better 162 game stretch? I love this question. Yikes. I love it. I mean, the I answer know. should be no. The
0: answer should be no, right? Should because that's crazy. Be no. Imagine right. if those if that season happened in one major league season. How big of a deal did we make about Ronald Acuna Jr.'s 40-70 year? What if it was a 50-90? Yeah. I... Wish that I could go back in time and watch Warner Davis. Oh, he was something. Will Ellie ever do it? Man, the ceiling's there. He could. He's gonna do it. He's gonna do it. Just yeah. say it.
1: He's gonna do it. Um, I don't know. Good vibes is on fi- We're gonna be is, to
0: is fifty and a hundred out of reach for Ellie? I mean, it's not, is it? I poured myself a tall glass of wine before this show. Let's <laughs> go. I think I think I'm in fifty bombs and a hundred stolen bases. He has to keep the strikeouts down, which he was doing um, in the latter part of the year, and he has to get the walk rate up. He just has to get on base enough. If hitting fifty bombs, you're not spending a lot of time on first base. But can he? Does he have the ability? this
1: have get the tools and the talent? You do. Yeah, there's no question. And those of you, again, out there in Rio Linda, um, or I mean in uh, Middletown, wherever, um, are going to say, oh, but how awful was he for most of the second half? Okay. He struggled as a 21-year-old against the best players on the planet. Okay, it happened. He also showed us some things, including right at the very end, about why he's Ellie De La Cruz. So. Um, yeah, so anyway, which- whatever. I'm going to say yes, but uh, that's, a, that's
0: a really good question, Gary.
1: Nate, anything else going on around the Riverfront these days?
0: I mean, you got to go check out what's going on over at the Riverfront, or actually the Bangles Show, presented by the Riverfront. Um, keeping up on all the latest, hopefully um, good vibes only over there, because they need it right now. And then Tim and Banner still crushing things with late night Reds. We love what's happening there. And we've got some great content from the Riverfront U-Gang over at the website, riverfrontcensi.com, where they're keeping tabs on the Bearcats Xavier and Northern Kentucky for some reason. Just getting Love Northern Kentucky. And, yeah, exciting stuff.
1: No doubt. Any, any other final thoughts for us here tonight before we uh, roll out of here?
0: Pick up the extension. The option. Pick, Pick it up. up. Bring him back. Bring Joey back. Pick up the option, you cowards.
1: All right, this has been The Riverfront. Thank you to everyone for listening and supporting uh, The Riverfront. Tell your friends about us. That's how you grow a podcast. Word of mouth. That's the best way. Uh, Please remember to subscribe to the show either on YouTube or in your favorite podcast app. We're on uh, Twitter, X, whatever it's called. Instagram, Facebook. We're at Riverfront Sensi on all those platforms. And then finally, again, huge thank you to our supporters at Patreon.com slash Riverfront Join us. The show wouldn't be possible without uh, this crazy, crazy family. Um, Go to Patreon.com slash Riverfront or click the link in the show notes. Shout out to Adam Dunn. Just a Lisa Alberto and Wayne Krenchicki and Eli Cash for Nate Dotson and Kyle Farmer. This is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone.